2: Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now.
1: This is Star Talk
2: Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History, where I also serve as director of. Aiden Planetarium. We're here at Star Talk. I think of it as Star Talk After Hours, but in fact, it's Star Talk Cosmic Queries. And I've got with me in studio the one, the only Leanne Lord. Leanne.
3: Hey, I like that. The one and only. The one
2: and only Leanne Lord, especially since you spell your name L E I G H A N N.
3: Thank you. I can't take credit for that. That's my parents. Okay. Thank you. And I,
2: I make a point of that because if you want to follow Leanne on Twitter, you got to spell her name right. That's right. <laughs> She's at Leanne Lord. Easy to find, easy to follow once you get the letters right? It's great to have you on here.
3: Oh, it's so nice to be here. So you
2: actually, you make a living as a professional
3: comedian. I make a living as a professional comedian. That is
2: awesome. That Bring, is crazy. Bringing laughter where it's needed most in exactly,
3: the world. Exactly, exactly. It's not rocket science, but you know, people need it.
2: <laughs> and I and always, I always, I, I, fo- I like following you where you go around the the country and the world Thank you. you've been to the Middle East the, to Middle the East. troops that I is have. so Bob hope of you oh
3: man oh my God and they really are a great audience they, I love doing
2: it yeah yeah very appreciative and so it's great to have you here so uh this this cosmic queries segment we're gonna talk about Pseudoscience.
3: Pseudoscience. Yeah. Oh, do this, we have how many hours do
2: we have? I know, for this right? Topic? Right, right, right. So it's it's people it's it's stuff that people think is science, but in fact isn't. They want it to be science. Right. Science is actually knows quite well what it is and how mm-hmm. it works and how the methods and tools apply. And so a big effort of people who are trying to sort of the debunkers out there are to try to show people what science is and how we know what we know. And how we know what we don't know. All right. How how how, <laughs> how do we know what we know? <laughs> no, no. It's how we know what we know and how we know that we don't know something. Okay? That's just as important. That's true. Yes it is. Yes it is. So, we've called questions from the internet. Uh, on the internet, we you can we are starttalkradio.net. You can chat chat with us there. We have there's a blog, places to deposit your your, your questions and comments. There's a, the archive of our past shows are there as well. Also on Facebook, you can like us there. Uh, Star Talk Radio. That's easy to get to. And of course, we're in the Twitterverse. Star Talk Radio. I, I also tweet. If you have patience for my cosmic brain droppings. They're,
3: they're, they're brilliant. Brilliant. No. <laughs>
2: they're not. They're not related. They're just stuff that floats in and out of my head, and I happen to be, I have a medium to put them. That's all. <laughs> it is. A repository for my brain dropping.
3: Your your, your your tweets make me stop and stare into space because I'm like, wait a minute. Well, not while yeah, you're driving. Oh, right? oh well, no. <laughs> yeah, because I'm tweeting while driving. But what <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: So uh, these questions, I think these all uh, all came from Facebook. Is these that correct? Are,
3: these look like they are all Facebook questions. Yes, they are. Yeah, and
2: I haven't seen them before, so this will all be very fresh. Good. And if good. I if I can't answer one, I'll say I can't answer it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. By the way, I I while I have a lot. Thoughts to share about pseudoscience. There are people out there who do this professionally, so I'm. So this is just a, a service to our listeners. Yes. But there are books written by folks who, for example, Michael Shermer, who wrote "Why People Believe Weird Things." Yes. The title very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Go find him on the. You can find and in there. Customers who bought that book also bought. (laughs) So if you look (laughs) at the rest, there's a whole slew of ways you can sort of read up on this. So let's see how well I can do for this. Go. All
3: right. We have the first question here uh, is from Benjamin Camacho Garcia. And uh, he says- Look at you,
2: Garcia. Garcia.
3: Just put a little Spanish flair on it there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, he says, we know all kinds of pseudoscience are garbage, but which one do you find more entertaining and which one would be the most dangerous- to practice.
2: Okay, the one I think is most entertaining is the Ouija board. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're we'll going old school. All old right. school, yeah, right. yeah, not. I didn't even, expect that. Don't even have to plug that one in. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's the Ouija board where people gather around a table and you put your. And, and it's on your lap, I guess, if I remember how you do this. It's touching your knees. No, no. No, we, no, it's on a table. It, I, yeah, I did it okay. when it's on his knees. But you put it on a table. Mm-hmm. No, 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 you've got a. Well, you have the board and
3: then and you have your hands on the little device. Everybody has to touch. The, the the pointer. Oh, I guess. right,
2: right. Okay, that's one version of it. When oh. I when I first did it, that that object on the board mm-hmm. would move by gravity, so you, the board would tilt. Oh. And it would slide to the letters on the board.
1: Oh, okay, I don't know so that here this is okay. like sort
2: of group movement. Yes. Of the, yeah. So I think that's just it's a part. It's a fun party thing. It's like playing Twister, except <laughs> <laughs>
3: without the inappropriate contact. Without
2: the inappropriate in, in, or yeah. And so I, I kind of like the Ouija board, and of course it's your. Uh, what they did was it turns out if you're blind, the Ouija board doesn't work very well for you. So you are actually the odds? Yeah, you're, you're influencing where the, the puck lands right. on it because you can actually see it. And it turns out if you don't know how to spell well – you actually misspell the words while you. Th- there are fascinating experiments you can do that just s- just summarily debunk the entire the entire process. Like so, for example, are you communic- Are you channeling someone else's words through your ability to communicate through the Ouija board? And you find out they misspell the same words that you do.
3: W- yes, love it.
2: Yeah. So so unless you your spelling profile exactly matches that of the dead person <laughs> whose spirit you're channeling, <laughs> you got this is not working. So a Ouija board, I would say. Mine. Uh, is mine. Uh,
3: is your most entertaining. Yeah. What yeah. about now? What about the most dangerous?
2: Oh, the most dangerous. These are the ones where you think you have a cure for a medical ailment. And uh, that would. this is on sort of the what they call alternative medicine. Uh, by the way, have you ever heard of alternative math? Of course not, because it doesn't exist. Have you ever <laughs> heard of alternative <laughs> physics? Of course not, because there's no such thing. Yet somehow we all want to believe that there's something called alternative medicine. There's either the stuff that works and the stuff that doesn't and the stuff that works let's call medicine and the stuff that doesn't let's call that quackery let's just simply be honest about this okay believe it or
3: not st- we have that in my profession too alternative comedy alternative.
2: <laughs> it's called not funny not funny uh so uh, so that then it's dangerous. It's not dangerous to others. It's dangerous to yourself because you think there's a cure that someone claims is real but has not undergone rigorous scientific testing. And then you forego treatment that you get through other means and you end up dying sooner or dying uh Or, or not getting, or or becoming maimed or crippled because you didn't seek the attention that it required. Right. So that's where the danger comes in. So that's why I don't jump all over people who do, you know, their tarot card readings and palm readings, and you know, uh, I, you know, I don't distract myself by people who want to believe that's real. Uh, But when the medicine steps in there, that's a problem. Okay. You've been listening. You are listening to Star Talk Radio. The Cosmic Queries Hour. (laughs) And I'm here with Leanne Lord. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. And we'll continue after the break. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host. I'm an astrophysicist by day. <laughs> and star talk radio announcer by night. Love it. No, actually, an astrophysicist can be anything they want at night because nobody's looking. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is asleep. We're awake, contemplating the cosmos. So we've called questions from the internet, and these are all related to pseudoscience. Yes. And and Leanne, uh, let me just ask you: do, do you do do you feel do you do you lean towards anything that you think might be pseudoscience? I don't think
3: so. I I, I might have before I met you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, i I but think I don't it's put been
2: you on the spot I think
3: it's been educated out of me <laughs> oh, oh I like that phrase.
2: <laughs> to get something educated out of you. Oh, can we use that? We gotta use that.
3: Well be my guest. Absolutely.
2: Oh my god. Get the pseudoscience educated out of you. There we go. All right. That's why we do this. So you got a question?
3: I do, I do. It's actually almost maybe uh but These a are questions us. from
2: listeners. These are and questions this from is listeners. Our is give back in a way yeah. to we want to make sure you're a part of what we do here. And so. I,
3: I love the interaction uh-huh. with fans. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a question a question from Brian Shields and uh, he wants to know sort of uh, what spurred the use of items such as crystals in the realm of pseudoscience, I mean, were users attracted to their physical beauty, or did they just assume that it had more enduring qualities?
2: What an awesome question. That's a great question. So so what we have found in the history of cultures is that civilizations tended to gather together and cherish. Uh, that, that might overstate what it actually is in some cases, but uh, establish a higher level of curiosity for some things over other things. Okay. So it's a curiosity factor because it's different. And by the way, there's a famous quote from Isaac Newton and he imagines himself sitting at the water's edge. And as the waves come upon the shore, he says, I feel like a child on the shore Picking up one pebble over another just because it looks slightly more interesting than the rest. Yet the ocean of truth lay undiscovered before me. So there he is, humbled by the fact that he knows there's a lot more to discover. Mm -hmm. But there he is, nonetheless curious about the little things that are in his arm's reach. One pebble being shinier than the next. So over history, what we've done is you pick up shiny things.
3: You pick (laughs) up... I love that deeply scientific explanation.
2: <laughs> shiny things. We
3: pick
2: up shiny things. We, we wear shiny things. Jewelry is typically yes. shiny. Yes. You yourself are wearing oh, shiny, things, shiny, okay? shiny things, okay? shiny things. So I'm not talking about only ancient civilizations. I'm oh, talking about modern life. So we find silver, gold. It goes to high luster. We like these things. We collect them. They are different from other things you find in nature. We also, uh, crystals are the world's first transparent solid things. Think about that.
3: Yeah, I, did, I just did the head cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah the
2: dog that just heard yeah, the high-pitched ring. The
3: world's first solid transparent things. Yes.
2: Normally you think of solid. It's solid. Nothing it's, goes yeah. through it. And now I've got a solid thing that light can pass through. That's an awesome thought. And that all, is pretty cool. And there it is in nature. There's quartz Quartz crystal is transparent to visible light. Now, take that fact and say, well, can you do anything with it? Do you realize this even worked its way into early ideas of the cosmos? So, before we knew that Earth went around the sun and this sort of thing, it was like the sun goes around the Earth and everything goes around the Earth because Earth is the center of the entire universe. Well, we know there are different distances because some move faster on the sky than others. But what holds them up there? What keeps them there? So guess what held them there? Something has to hold them there and completely surround the Earth, but you have to be able to see through it to see the planets that are farther away than they are. Uh, This was the birth of the crystalline spheres. Okay. Crystal, not because crystal is a special form of mineral, crystal because the damn thing is transparent and you can see through it to the rest of the cosmos. And so there was the crystalline spheres. Out there, so crystals were valued simply because they were different and okay. they were transparent. And we always—it's—it's a—it's a natural part of human curiosity to pick up that which is different and bring it home.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow, mom and dad aren't always happy about that. <laughs> so, I don't know, honey. A little transparent.
2: <laughs> so that's, in fact, when if you want to think about it in another kind of way, those are the seeds of the birth of science the fact that we are curious about some things that are different than others. If you look at the, uh, I think it was the Inuit? Wh- whatever is the culture that uh, that frequented the shores of Greenland, okay. okay? And as we know, Greenland is mostly glacier, at least for now, <laughs> right? <laughs> there is uh, the Cape York meteorite, which is currently the largest meteorite in captivity. <laughs> And being held against its
3: will, everybody.
2: It is at the American Museum of Natural History in our meteorite hall. That meteorite was cherished by the local peoples. And in fact, meteorites have been, iron meteorites have been the entire source of metal for civilizations that did not otherwise have access to iron ores beneath Earth's surface. So Native American tribes, um, the the Inuits, other uh, I think Eskimo is not the proper term these days, but the, the terms that described the coastal peoples who fished for food and lived um, in these in the Arctic regions, the metal that's in those cultures in almost every case is metal carved off of rocks that they did not. The rocks that didn't match anything else in their environment, and those were iron meteorites that were exposed on the surface that had been there for uh, tens of thousands, possibly in some cases, um, millions of years.
3: Mm. So something different. Yes. Nice.
2: That was a long answer, man. No, but that's great. Okay, all right. I love it. Do you want another question? Actually, the the meteorite would not have been there for millions of years because continental drift would have redistributed where everything is. So if you found a meteorite in in the ground, it would have fallen within the last tens of thousands of years, typically. Hmm. Yeah.
3: So you just footnote it yourself.
2: Yes. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Caveat. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, I have a question. Yeah. This might be a little controversial. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is from uh, Richard Conant.
2: And again, the theme is pseudoscience. Uh, The
3: theme is – oh, this is definitely pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. And it begins with Mr. Tyson. Is there hope for America when 46% believe in creationism? Mm. Yeah. Are we going to edit that out?
2: Okay. No, that's (laughs) fine. Uh, There is hope for America if 47% believe in creationism, provided that that 47% doesn't require that the other 53% believe it as well.
3: Aye, there's the rub, sir.
2: Yeah. So the problem is not what people believe. This is a free country. Believe what you want. I will not tell you what to believe. What I will say to you is that if you want your belief, which is not based on objective truths, it's based on what are generally known as, as revealed truths, there's some sacred document Mm -hmm. that someone has truth revealed to them through whatever forces that you recognize in your religion. And there are many of these, there's Joseph Smith's documents Mm -hmm. and, and there's the Quran. There are all these revealed truths. If those truths conflict with objectively verifiable truths and you want to teach that as science, that's the beginning of the end of the technological foundation of your culture. I just alert you of the consequences of this. I will not tell you what to think or how to think it. I just want to say, if you do this, then that's what happens.
3: You have been warned. You have been warned.
2: Proceed at your peril. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've been warned. And and by the way, the there's no tradition of atheists or scientists knocking down the Sunday school door, <laughs> telling the preacher, that might not necessarily be true. No, there, there's no one trying to change church uh, religious right. curriculum. Right. It's not happening. So to have religious communities try to alter a science curriculum to meet their needs— uh, that's that's a profound imbalance of have of what the historical relationship has been between religious communities and scientific communities uh, over the centuries. So, so the problem is not the uh, that, that's not the problem. The problem is when people want to learn science, think that creationism is science. They have been removed from the frontier of cosmic discovery.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow! Very nicely done.
2: Oh, I, thank like, you. That. Thank I you. like
3: that. I like that. And I, you know what? I, I think this might actually lead into, and maybe you've already answered this in a way, but I wanted to ask it anyway. And this is from Brandon, Brandon Rogers. Um, he said, "What should people be doing more often in order to combat the rapid spread of pseudoscience?" And he suggests uh, take more classes on skepticism.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, I, we always assumed in the sort of educated scientific community that if you learn science and you learn the laws of physics that you won't be susceptible to the pseudoscience. <laughs> that it's really? kind of a kind of an inoculation against okay. it. And, I, and largely that's true. Okay. If you're scientifically literate, it is a kind of a vaccine against those who would exploit your ignorance of natural law for their own gain. Alright? Uh, you know what I'll do? After the break, I'll give you my recipe for fighting pseudoscience. <laughs> You're still sticking around, I presume. Oh, absolutely. Yes, thank you. All right, you're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx
1: pxg.com slash Star Talk code Star We're back
2: on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, joining me as my co-host for this Star Talk Cosmic Queries Hour is Leanne Lord. Leanne, great to have you.
3: Oh, great to be here.
2: Professional comedian. Do you say comedian or comedian?
3: Um, Whatever you want to say, as long <laughs> as I'm getting paid to show <laughs> ah, up.
2: <laughs> getting paid. <laughs>
3: I'm good.
2: Yeah, so comedian is the, the feminized version it is. of comedian. It's, pretty. I, it's don't, a pretty. I don't
3: mind it. I, a, my, my feminism doesn't extend to being offended by that.
2: Yeah, it's actually a pretty word. It I, is. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so where do we leave off in the last segment? Well, there was a question about uh, well, we wh- were
3: we were talking about uh, pseudoscience, and and what can we be doing to sort of combat that? And is there is there something I guess in the uh, uh, in the it, toolbox in the so toolbox
2: to speak. exactly? So so first, science literacy, just as a state of mind, is is quite the vaccine against those who speak <laughs> pseudoscientific ways, uh, and you, you listen to them, and you just. You immediately notice where the arguments fail, and then you just walk the other way. There's an old saying, if an argument lasts more than five minutes, then both sides are wrong.
3: Ooh. Yeah. Congress hasn't heard this.
2: <laughs> no, they, they, well, well, they argue for much longer than five minutes, which oh, means both sides are wrong. So, so you've got this. Uh, so here, I think in addition to just learning how science works, is there's an awesome wiki page an awesome wiki page on on uh, what's it called it's it's ways that your cognition can fail okay okay cognitive failures maybe just google search on cognitive failures is a whole list okay and you read it and you say my gosh Hu- I'm an idiot. The, the human brain <laughs> is not good at taking data. The human brain is awful at interpreting what it experiences. But we've known this since second grade. Yeah. We all played telephone, didn't we?
3: Yes, we did. It,
2: take two or three people before the story was completely warped and distorted.
3: And you're being kind. <laughs>
2: And what happened is information goes in one ear, and when it came out your mouth, it was different. Mm-hmm. So this, our susceptibility as humans to cognitive failure is extraordinary. So I think once you know you're susceptible and you read the list of ways you can be susceptible— I think that could take care of most of these mm. most of these the, the attraction that people might have to what is ultimately uh, false pseudoscience okay and I'll give you a quick example you know that people say I have a lucky number comes oh. up every time okay right? and in fact when I won the lottery last week I knew it when I bought the ticket okay so so you could say well that's the I'm the special that's the I'm special error right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I am special. Here's a good example. Take a 1,000 people, give them a coin, heads tails coin. Tell them to flip, th- flip the coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who's got heads, they remain standing, tails, you sit down. All right. That's about how many left? 500 left. Because I started with 1,000. Right. And it's, a, it's what they call a fair coin, 50-50. Mm-hmm. Right? So you do it again for who remains. All right. It's 500 left, flip a coin, 250 are standing. And mm-hmm. you keep doing this. And then 125 are standing. And then 60 are standing. 30, 15, 8. I'm impressed Four. by your division skills on the, <laughs> on, the, on the spot. Two. And then there's one person who flipped heads 10 consecutive times. And that person wins. All right? Who does the press go to? Does it go to all the losers? No. They all go to that person. And they say... How do you feel about this? That person will likely say, "You know, I felt the head's energy about halfway through, so Aww. I knew I was going to win." Yeah, and they say, "Wow, he had he had this power of knowledge." Did they ask the other people who had the, exactly the same feeling? Mm-hmm. No, because we're not interested in losers. We're only interested in the winner. So different and shiny. Every <laughs> just shiny, every time you do this experiment. Somebody's gonna basically flip heads 10 consecutive times. Have you ever flipped heads 10 consecutive times in your life? No. All right. But if you did that experiment about a thousand times, I'd be the person. Chances are. <laughs> You would in those thousand times, chances are you would flip heads ten consecutive times. Well, I so know
3: what I'm doing for the rest of the day. Th-
2: so there's always gonna be a winner here, but that doesn't mean the person who won is special. But you're that person, you think somehow the gods were on your side. So so that's one example of a of a of a way to misthink information that's laid bare right in front of you. So you study that page. So every science class should come along with, here's how the brain fails you. Mm. And this this will double this will double down on the vaccine that being scientifically literate um, can do for you. So
3: that double whammy there, that's a good start for you.
2: Oh, yeah, And okay. then you then you see it in others, and you, you have the urge to try to <laughs> fix it. Right? then they'll, then they'll tell two people and, and, and ma- so on and so you on. Could, you could wipe this out in a week. Wow! Because it doesn't take higher learning to see the susceptibility of the human mind. And by the way, scientists are also susceptible yes. to this. It's just that we know we're susceptible. Okay. And we invent methods and tools to reduce our susceptibility because we're honest with ourselves about it. That is what science is. That's what the scientific method is. Scientific method is not hypothesis, testing. blah, blah, blah. It can be that, but that's not what it is at its heart. At its heart is do whatever it takes to not fool yourself into thinking that one thing is true when another thing is true.
3: this is also very good relationship advice, everybody. <laughs> I'm, this says this is multiple uh, uses here. Um, uh, just a, uh, can I add a, yeah, yeah, a, a go question for it. to this. Um, the, trying to figure out how the brain fails. Yeah. What age do we start this?
2: Oh, well, let's do that when we come back okay. from our break. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll be right back. We're back at Star Talk after hours. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I think of it as that, but it's really Star Talk. Cosmic queries, and I'm being helped out here by my co-host Leanne Lord. Leanne, yes, your awesome question reader.
3: Thank you. <laughs> these no are qu- pressure.
2: quick questions from the internet. Uh, these, I think, were from Facebook. Is yes. that right? Yeah, yeah. And we, we, you, you handed me a question right when we had no time to answer it. What was it? Just before the break.
3: Well, my question is, you were talking about ways to sort of inoculate yourself um, against uh, pseudoscience, and and you were saying that we should f- study how the brain fails. You know, if, you, if you've got that, you've got half the battle. And I, my question to that is, well, what, at what age do we start introducing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in at, utero.
2: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, like.
3: Wow. Okay, so the little baby <laughs> Einstein tapes. This is how your brain's going to fail you. It's not even here yet. No. Here's how it's going to fail.
2: Uh, here's, in my experience, in my experience interacting with kids, kids are not susceptible to pseudoscience. The pseudoscience that they, that, uh, that they ever talk about, it's because they hear adults mentioning it. Right, kids are just simply naturally curious about the natural world, and they ask natural questions about the natural world. And then the adult says, "Oh, the the moon is in the wrong house, and the Jupiter aligns with Mars." And and they hear this, but left to themselves, as kids curious about their environment, they are the least susceptible to pseudoscientific thinking, or to mystical thinking, or to magical thinking. And what I have found is, now this is not a formal study; it's just my sort of walks through life. When puberty sets in and, and life gets really complicated. That's, it ruins us all. Does he like me? Does he not like me? Will I have money for this? Will I be hurt? Will I do well on my test? Will I, All of a sudden, life descends on you, mm-hmm. and you realize you're not actually in control of the things that are going on in your life. Right. And so there's a susceptibility to that which asserts, it can bring control to your life outside of your own initiative to do so. These are rub these crystals and you'll heal yourself. Read your horoscope and it'll make your day better. Walk this way, talk this way, chant this way. And all of a sudden you believe that now the world is not just you and your control of yourself, that there are these forces that you get to blame when things don't go well in your life. So I would say the critical phase is basically middle school. When okay. hormones start kicking in and they're susceptible to thinking that they are not mm-hmm. in control of their destiny.
3: Okay. And they're looking at these crutches.
2: Yes, exactly. They're, they're emotional, intellectual crutches of life. Wow. Shed the crutches, walk on your own power, become scientifically literate. Oh, that'd be make an awesome poster. It
3: would. It, it would. Yeah. All I can say is, dude, where were you when I was twelve? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> where were you, sir? <laughs> Wow, that's great. Okay. So, what else you got? All right. I have a question um, Mm -hmm. from Ed Travis. And, uh, wow, Ed, really? Uh, Ed says My wife wants a machine that can translate dreams into physical images. How impossible is this?
2: That's awesome. That sounds like something that would show up on the movie, uh, on the the Fox series uh, Fringe. Yes. They're always like reading minds and making the mind do things. Mm I, uh, Why not? Really? Yeah, I think that neuroscience is in its infancy today. Okay. And I think that is one of the most fertile scientific frontiers that currently exists. Neuroscience. You know, we know the brain, you know, we're a sack of chemistry is what we are as humans. Sack of
3: chemistry. A conscious
2: sack of chemistry. You
3: are a walking t-shirt slogan manufacturer, (laughs) sir.
2: (laughs) Well, humans, we're conscious sacks of chemistry. We know we are because that's why medicine works, all right? You put chemicals in you and it changes what you think, how you feel, how alert you are. What what do you think caffeine is? It's influencing your alert state as as Leanne Lord holds up her cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. (laughs) Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I noticed know Duncan knows not Starbucks. Is You're on a budget now? <laughs> wow.
3: Yeah. Because what I'm making here a Star Talk I'm really does <laughs> finance my right, higher well, coffee design. We'll
2: have to cover you on the, on the next <laughs> cup of coffee. So um, I think that's a brilliant idea and a brilliant suggestion. And I would put that as a sort of science fiction y, but still within reach.
3: Wow. But still
2: within reach. Uh, uh, what what would be great is if it was a live image of what your dream was. And then well, maybe you wouldn't want that actually. So you
3: have the dream and then wake up and see the dream. Um, well you could
2: or others can watch you dream in real time. That sounds a little invasive. That's a little invasive, so maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay, let's pull back on that one. But but maybe you can you can put it in your library of dreams and relive them by just popping in the disc. Right. 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 So, uh, brain activity is simply chemicals and chemical interactions among uh, neurons. And given that you. Uh, once we know what a certain kind of chemical interaction means in terms of an image, in terms of words, in terms of faces, you just draw it up, have a little machine that draws it. Uh, that would be the cool future of neuroscience. When we come back, more Star Talk Radio.
1: Do you want to set up your child for success? IXL. IXL is used in ninety-five of the top one hundred school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive twenty percent off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/starttalk. Visit IXL.com/starttalk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
2: We're back on Star Talk Radio's Cosmic Queries. Leanne Lord is my official question reader. Yes. And today's topic is pseudoscience, and we've got questions from our from our listener base. Yes. You call it a fan base? I don't think of them as they're listeners. Okay, I mean, they're, listener base. I Maybe mean, if they're a fan, you know, if they're listeners. Maybe they are fans, but I think of them as listeners.
3: They're okay. listeners. They are partners
2: in education. Right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. How to bu- bureaucratize the answer? Okay. Okay.
3: <laughs> um, now I, I, I kind of, if you don't mind, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You were very kind in 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 saying, you know, when you thought, uh, sort of, we should be educating kids about uh, inoculating themselves against pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said that that you know, little kids, in your experience, yeah. Uh, don't really engage in magical thinking
2: or or they're not susceptible to they're not susceptible right right.
3: and i i i don't know about that you know because i mean listen kids have um, magical blankets they have imaginary friends no 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 parent wants their kid to have an imaginary friend (laughs) you know because you said most of this comes from the parents and i'm so and and there's stuff like that that doesn't
2: okay uh, so i would i would put a line in the sand between what people do that is that is the expression of their imagination, maybe gone a little too far, Okay, and things that you do that you think are actually controlling your behavior and conduct. If you think there's a monster under the bed, Mm -hmm. you could actually check for that. You're just too afraid to, all right? Okay, is that pseudoscience or is it you don't really in control of your imagination at that point? I can tell you that adults don't worry about monsters under the bed. I'm
3: um, not unless they've been imbibing something
2: <laughs> really strong. So I am not worried about the monster under the child's bed influencing them as an adult. This is the, the, this childhood thinking about fairies and, and kingdoms and 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 and, and the. The kiss of the prince and all of this. Uh, this is if you put a child out in the middle of the street and you say, I mean, put put them out in the open mm-hmm. and say, what do you believe is affecting your life right now? They're not. They're not going to say the fairies. They're not going to say the monster under the bed. You take an adult who is susceptible to pseudoscience. They're going to give a list of things that they will assert is in control of their life or influencing their life that, that they cannot uh, influence. And, and and so that it's a different kind of thing. So I agree. You have kids with great imagination and it's fun. And it's the seeds of so much fantasy uh, and and literature. Even Stephen King. Yes. Stephen King, if you want to get (laughs) bloody, but, but Alice's adventures in Wonderland, Mm -hmm. if that's not an LSD trip, I don't know what is. And it's, it's, Pinocchio, his nose grows. These are fantasy stories, and kids love to have fun and to play. But what I'm saying is, I'm, we don't need to stop them from thinking about a monster under the bed, because that doesn't carry into into adolescence. Okay. None of that carries into adolescence. Okay. Don't step on the crack; you break your parents' back. No, that doesn't. It stops. I don't need to stop that with with other efforts. It stops itself because they simply outgrow it. Okay. I'm talking about stuff that adults don't even outgrow. Okay. And that list of th- those things you don't find in children. Okay. Okay. Kids don't are not afraid of black cats. They want to pet the kitty until an adult says that's a black cat. That's right. bad. Okay. So, so they got to be told by someone who's older and. Not as wise <laughs> to be afraid of the black cat. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I you got any more questions? How many questions? I do. You got a whole d- sheet there. I do. I do mm-hmm. have another question. Go for it. I do.
3: Okay. Um. All right. Here's for, this is from Bora Vi, mm-hmm. and uh, they want to know. I used to watch the TV show Ancient Aliens, and at one point, they've stated that Bigfoot may be a prisoner from outer space, much like how England used to send prisoners to Australia. Do you think we would eventually send prisoners into space? Wow, that was a long way around to get to that.
2: <laughs> well, I'm wow, thinking Bigfoot, Bora, I'm thinking really? Ancient alien?
3: <laughs> wow, that's wow. a long way around.
2: Okay, so first, it'd be kind of cool if Bigfoot, if if some powerful alien civilization said, Earth, there's a good place to send our criminals. Let's send Bigfoot there. I wonder what crime did Bigfoot commit? <laughs> Stole
3: a candy bar. <laughs>
2: You know, one of, uh, uh, who's it, Mitch Hedberg, uh, uh, the late comedian Mitch Mm -hmm. Hedberg, you know what he said of Bigfoot? He said, you know what's even scarier than Bigfoot? Would be if Bigfoot is actually out of focus. (laughs) Every picture we have of Bigfoot, it's a fuzzy photo. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. If he's actually out of focus, (laughs) that would be really scary. (laughs) So, yeah, I I would hope Earth is not some prison colony for misbehaved aliens from another planet. Though it would Um, explain a lot. I I would like to believe that I believe in the future of neuroscience. And I think if you go far enough in the future, we would find a way to cure people who who are career criminals so that we would not need prisons for them at all. Wow. Therefore, we wouldn't need to look for a planet upon which to, uh, where to send them. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, the historical analogy here is England sending their prisoners to Australia, an isolated continent island in the middle of the, you know, Southern Hemisphere Pacific.
3: But now, isn't that the Slippery Slope? Doctor?
2: Yes, it is. Because well, if that,
3: we start correcting c- criminal behavior, yes, what, what else? What, what,
2: what is a crime in one generation versus another? You're absolutely right. That's a whole other show. It is. <laughs> leanne thanks for being on Star Thank Talk. Thank you for
3: having me back. After this is hours,
2: this is Star Talk.
3: After hours,
2: <laughs> the Cosmic Query segment. So you are listening to, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. So we're back. We've been talking about pseudoscience and look what the cat dragged in, Chuck. Nice, yes, Chuck. sir. <laughs> Fresh with claw marks and all from that cat. <laughs> thanks for thanks for thanks for like stalking us. Of course, Chuck. Uh, we've got uh, Bill Nye, Bill, old friend and buddy and CEO of the Planetary Society, newly new, le- new bestseller on, on 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 New York Times with his book on evolution and called call undeniable. Undeniable. Congratulations on that. And we have by Skype. The one. The only Elise Andrews. Elise Hello.
4: Hi. She freaking loves science. And
2: and she how much do you love science? You I (laughs) (laughs) Really, <laughs> <laughs> check out her 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 facebook page ifls freaking love science and you'll get the proper translation of that acronym of that <laughs> abbreviation there you go so we're, we're coming off a show on on pseudoscience and Elise, you've got nearly 20 million likes on your facebook page and you have some filter i presume about what you put on as your aggregated science and what you don't how do you know that there's not some crackpot uh, uh, idea that somebody has and they're posing as real science or Maybe there's science that other scientists that got published in a real journal, but is itself kind of fringy. How do you how do you slice and dice this?
5: I I mean, I think the most important thing is you you, you, there's so many ways you look at it. First thing first, you obviously go back and read the actual paper rather than the press release. You can look at the journal that was published. If it was published in a high level journal, it's maybe a little bit more trustable than something published in a non high level journal, something with a lower impact factor. You can look at the study, you can look at the sample sizes, you can look at everything else. And I mean, you can usually get a feel if something's dodgy or if something's not. You can look at the other coverage. And, and I think it's one thing I've realized is that it is important to cover something. Even if I'm not impressed with a study, I think it's important to cover it anyway and to express that because people ask my opinions. People will come to me with stories published in this website or in that website and they'll say, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? So I think it's important, even if I am skeptical or even if I don't agree with it, to still write about it and to still say that.
4: Can you give us an example, and, a recent example?
5: Off the top of my head, no.
4: Yeah. Because um, so much of I mean, what you publish is dead on. It seems so cool. Yes, yeah, We I, we've been all impressed
2: by its reliability. And and but how about this? Could you might you publish? Might you post something that you know is scientifically controversial, and then just talk about the fact that it's controversial among scientists? Yeah,
5: absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I think that's important. I think people need to know that everything oh, yeah. isn't always dead set. That there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be arguments. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. There is not. There are not going to be arguments. Wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so let me ask the three of you uh when it comes to the contradictions in science and more importantly new discovery mm-hmm. often you have people who say well see you were wrong oh that's and, we love that in science yeah and so, well, like, I, <laughs> so, but they try to use that as a means of talking about or affixing uh Unreliability to all science, people who are attacking science. Or then any other idea should have equal value. Right, or to to say, right, more importantly, well, see, that's why we say this. Okay. So how so, do you so deal with
2: that? Chuck is is asking this because a friend of his feels this way about science.
1: Yes, <laughs> isn't that yeah. true, Chuck? Well, listen, and I have a friend, okay, and his name is uh, Buck Rice, <laughs> okay. and um, and he has a blog that will be uh, sponsored by ExxonMobil uh, that that is titled uh, Climate Change: The Jury Still Out. Right. So at least, where, where do you? How do you do that? What what?
5: Look, I think those people are completely lacking in logic, to be honest. It doesn't really make any sense to me that you would say that science can't be trusted because science holds its hands up and says when it's wrong. That's the the great thing about science, is that we have the ability to be wrong, that we're constantly finding new evidence and say, okay, this is what we thought before, we've got new evidence, and this is what we know now. To me, that's an indicator of reliability that you can trust Mm -hmm. science to hold its hands up and say, we fucked up. Here's now what we know, here's what we've learned, here's the evidence. Mm -hmm. To me, if... If you've got a school of thought that holds on to something in the face, in the flying in the face of the evidence, that's something you can't trust.
1: You know, I think so if I, so- I
5: just I don't understand it. At at
1: least l- at awesome. least I think if you actually said it just like that, you would have more fans. <laughs> more <laughs> what, than 19 million. More than 19 million. Yeah. We effed <laughs> up.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, just, you know, you get into this thing. Uh, where it's the progress of science—that's what is also hard for people. Uh, for example, I can't think of a planet used to be a planet. <laughs> now it's a a plutoid. I got no problem with that. It's a process. Chuck, and have
1: my- you had your plutoids checked? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I have. As <laughs> a There's a solve for that. From what oh. I understand, I now have to have a colonoscopy. <laughs> from,
4: from no, so <laughs> do you guys Bo, You guys go to that? See, I never. I, I don't go to that. Uh, I don't go to that uh, scatological root uh, with the word plutoid. But I found that everyone else does. Okay, so <laughs> I found that uh, I know.
5: Just... <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, well, I think Chuck <laughs> and, and Neil
4: just
5: be you
1: guys. <laughs> Ch- Chuck and Neil are of a certain age. Yes, and, uh, and, so, we're, and we're both fans of Katie Couric. Yeah, we're still in middle school. Is the
4: problem?
2: But, so,
1: but, so, he, so
4: speaking of which, middle schoolers have no problem with this. You say there used to be 9 traditional planets now there's 8 and there's a whole gr- new class of planets called plutoids. It's an example of a low stakes thing that people are just passionate about. And whereas when you get to a high stake things, people high stakes thing people are really passionate about it. But Bill, I want to
2: distinguish between someone who says God created the created humans because the Bible says and and God created humans because we found scientific evidence to support it, right? One of them is sort of religious dogma. Sort of. And, 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 wait, and the other one is has, has is putting a, a science patina on it so that someone who says, I believe science, and there is science in in the Bible so you must have confronted that
4: oh yeah so I don't know if you got this far into this thing in Kentucky but the guy has observational science and historical science in other words if you weren't there it doesn't count I mean, the evidence science. is lower you than if
5: <laughs> scrap the whole idea of forensic science that's right, yeah. right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, unless you were there unless yeah. you saw it yeah, that's
4: right doesn't count and
5: it's just hugely ironic because if you do know anything about forensics and about the criminal justice system you know the eyewitness testimony is the least reliable the least evidence realized. out
1: yeah, uh right. believe like, me at least. Without a doubt. I'm a black man. I do know that.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you
4: weren't weren't you the guy? <laughs> he was the guy. I saw <laughs> him. <See>? Officer, that's <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Bill gets it. That's so, the guy. Right, right. I swear. No, that voice. I know mm-hmm. that voice. It's it's so, so now let me ask you guys this. Let okay. me ask
1: you guys this. So, um recently the pope came out and said, "Hey, let's not be idiots about this. Science is Science, and we don't have to, you know, uh, uh we don't have not to. a magic wand, right? I'm, not I a magic more wand,
4: powered, okay. Catholic so, how Church. about that?
1: Do we write you a check,
4: Catholic Church? <laughs> thank you. You're you've now joined the last two centuries. You know, welcome aboard. Well, okay, no, to be fair, but it's the good. Catholic
5: Church, they've accepted evolution and the Big Bang theory since the 19th yeah, century, something like that. Yeah, no, no, he was just reiterating. No. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So,
4: so
2: he. I'll he, go for that. Uh, correct. Thank, thank you for clarifying that, right. So it's been in the doctrines. In fact, an earlier one was: uh, yes, evolution is cool, but humans became humans when in the evolutionary track when God breathed the soul into what, the first set of those okay. primates that then became human. This was the parameters around that suggest- It's your clock, maker. Right, right. And plus, of course, the Big Bang itself was first written down by. A, it was a
4: Jesuit. He uh, wasn't S- Jesuit,
2: actually, but he was a monk. Monkish. He was a. Monkish. He was a Belgian priest. A Belgian priest. Belgian priest. Yes. Okay. Uh, Speaking named Flemish. Uh, tell me his name
4: again. Um, I'd ask astrophysicist no, historian, <laughs> man. I'm a mechanical engineer. I can tell I'll you. I'll get about- it before. The of,
2: law, in the next so. 90 seconds, I More swear to you, I'll have it. Uh, so, uh, in any event, so all the latest Pope did was he, he added punctuation, I think, to those to, to those. Well, remarks. in
4: reiteration. Uh, hey, let me ask us this, Elise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, did you hear about this con- debate in Kentucky about evolution? Did in you in
5: Kentucky? Ha- yeah. yeah,
4: in the United Kingdom, you heard about that?
5: Well, I was, I was, I live in Canada. Usually, I'm just visiting family at the moment, and I did, I did hear about it. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, I posted about it. I was writing about it.
0: Of course, yeah. I
4: heard about it. No, I mean by you, I mean um, the populace of the United Kingdom.
5: I don't know what the media was yeah. like here at the mm-hmm. time. I wasn't. I wasn't in here. Canada. Was, did, did it make? I was in in Canada. Yeah, it did. It, it was, So news. here's
4: what I'm driving at. Why did he bring that up now? Why did the Pope go out of his way to make mention this now?
5: I don't know. I don't know. I find it really bizarre anyway. It kind of cracks me up when I. I, I mean, a, American evangelists, when the Pope thinks you're taking the Bible too seriously, it might be time to rethink your life choices.
1: <laughs> I mean, rethink
4: life choices. Pope. Elise Andrew, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's
5: the Pope. Rethink like, when life he
4: choices.
5: You're taking this whole religion thing too seriously just just take a step back and look at
2: yourself no no of course it was the uk that separated from the Catholic Church just because their king couldn't get a divorce let's be fair about yeah. th- in disclosure here but yeah <laughs> oh but right, so I did remember the priest. A one for himself the, the priest named George Lemaitre. look at you yeah. George yeah. Lamartre, and it's got some stuff over the vowels right. Lemaitre. yeah some yeah. graves, yeah, and a goose he was a physicist at least yeah. uh, we got to call it quits here thank you for for dialing in to to star Talk radio and I hope this is not the last time we we, we reach for you, no
5: problem. Thanks
2: for having me. Excellent. And Bill. Oh, we're all shaking each other's hands and reaching, <laughs> <in> <laughs> reaching yeah. for, at least Bill Knight, thanks for coming by. Oh, no, it is I who must thank you. <laughs> and Chuck, always good to have you. Thanks. And thanks for agreeing to be dragging off the street. Good to be for had. this very last segment. Yes, all right, guys. this is Neil Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson signing off from Star Talk as always, keeping looking up.